What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? Good to see you. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome. So glad you could join us this morning. For those of you that call Victory Church your home, it's so great to see you. You are in store for a great day today. I want to, again, just amen what Brian and Malcolm talked about with the school supplies. And i got to say this. I'm so proud of you, church. This was the first Sunday we were taking home. Did you see that box was full? It was so heavy that we had to get two guys to carry it. Would you just give yourself a hand already, church? You're such a giving church, and that excites me. When we watched what we did at the July celebration and serve day, you are such a giving church, and that excites me as we move forward with all things we'll be able to do in this community. One of the things we like to do on Sunday mornings is we like to do testimonies, okay? So my story at tnvictory.com is an email that we have that we invite you to send testimonies to that we can get up here and share what God's doing because here's why we do that. You say, what's the big deal with testimonies? Here's the main reason for me. We have almost 100 people who serve in this church on a weekly basis. They show up, they set up, they break down, they do kids, they do production, worship, uh, first impressions, all these different things, and they like to know that God's using them in a mighty way. And so when they hear testimonies, they get to see, wow, I didn't just hold a baby, I didn't just run a light, I didn't just uh, greet a door, I was able to be a part of somebody finding Jesus, and so it's an incredible opportunity for them to hear that. Now, we're going to do something, I, don't, I normally don't do this, okay, but this testimony is a little bit special because... Uh, if, if you know Cabrina and Brandon, Cabrina, we like to call Cabrina, she's the hugger of the church, all right? When you get a Cabrina hug, no other hugs no other hugs do, okay? Nobody else compares. Um, Malcolm met Cabrina at, at the job they work at together, and one of the first times I ever saw them serve, I loved it. We were at an interest party, and we joked about this because they were making hot chocolate. Y'all remember this? Where'd Brandon go? Remember this? And they were making, Brandon told me it was the best hot chocolate you were ever going to have, and he was right. He was right. And it was just an incredible opportunity. And so I asked Malcolm, I said, yo, you got to send me, just kind of, you know, put together a testimony of what God's done through Cabrina and getting here and her bringing Brandon, all these different things, and let us share it. But I've asked Cabrina because look, her family was in town and everything. I said, look, let's, can you come on stage and help me read the testimony? All right, so come on up here, girl. You're looking all beautiful and stuff. Brandon, you come with her, all right? Y'all are kind of a, a double package, so we'll just bring y'all both up. Um, and it's not, it ain't going to be a big deal, all right? She, she don't like to get up on stage. Some people like to get up on stage. Some people don't, and I'm totally okay with that. We can't get Brian and Malcolm off the stage. Um, but here's the deal. So, so what I want to do, all right, this is Miss Nina. This is the mother of the church, in case you're wondering. Cabrina said, Cabrina said she wasn't coming up here. <laughs> Cabrina said she wasn't coming up here. All right, now, hold on. You're going to have to look at this, all right? So, so there's a teleprompter in a minute, all right? And so she's going to put the testimony up here, and we're going to read it, all right? So can you, can you see how it says your name? We did this so you could be able to read it, all right? So you see that. And then there's another one that you can make sure you can. Can you read that? All right, so here comes the testimony. I right, get ready to read this right here. Here you go. All right, shoot me that. Do you see that? What, you see that? Will you marry me? <laughs> Got her! <laughs> Got him! Yeah! Yeah! Come on, church! Give it up, church! All right, you got to give me a hug real quick. And then you got to get off my stage, okay? Don't be dying, Miss Nina. Yo, was that awesome or what? We got video every. Are you not here for me? My bad. Okay. Here's another cool thing. So this happened this morning. Last Monday, Blake and Lanisa got engaged. All right? Y'all know Blake? Blake plays the guitar. Lanisa's involved first. She's over here right here. So here's what I wanted to tell the church this morning. Look, if you're trying to get people in the church, just tell them this. We'll get you engaged at Victory Church, all right? You just come. You find all your single friends and get them here, and we'll get them engaged, all right? Come on, let's give God another hand real quick. Brandon, Cabrina, we love you guys. Cabrina, sorry to embarrass you, but uh, we had to be a part of this incredible moment because I, I said a lot of things to set that up, but their story is really amazing, and, and they, they really do, just like everybody who's a part of this church, the stories are incredible with the way God's operating through people, but better this, the great people that God's bringing. And so and she really does have the best things of the church. That's true. And so, all right, you ready for the word? Do me a favor. Open up your Bibles, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. As you're turning, let me just give some setup. Uh, probably about a month or so ago, God gave me a statement. 
And I was, I was going through some stuff. I'll talk a little bit about it today. I was going through some stuff, and God kind of dropped this statement in my heart, and I wrote it in my phone, and I wrote a little bit of details with it. And I made it where every morning I got up and I read this statement. And it has, it's changed my life. And the more and more I read it and the more and more impact it had on me, I said, i got to share this with Victory Church. Victory Church has to be able to be a part of this statement and put it in their lives as well. And so I wanted to introduce it to you today, but I didn't want to just introduce it and then go, all right, thanks for coming to church and leave. And so I wanted to kind of break it down a little bit, explain it to you a little bit, and then give it to you at the end. And so we're getting ready to do that today in what is kind of a two-part series, okay? So August 5th, we're going to launch a brand new series called My Best Life. And we're going to talk all about how Jesus wants our best life for us and what that looks like. And then as you saw in the video, we're going to launch our small groups, which we're super excited about. And so you want to get people in this place on August 5th. It's going to be wrong, going to be bumping, as they might say. Um, but the next two weeks is just a quick two-part series. And so you got today, and then you got next week. If you can, if you're here today, try not to miss next week because they kind of go together, okay? If you're traveling in town, watch us on live stream, which, hello, welcome to all of our live stream watchers. And so they kind of mesh together, okay, if you do. And the series is called The Bucket List, all right, which you can see I've got buckets lining up here. But here's the deal. Uh, Psalms, is it Psalms 24-1? I can't remember if it's Psalms or Proverbs. I'm sorry. Throw that out there for me. Uh, Proverbs 24-1 says, the earth is the Lord's and what? Everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Do me a favor. Look at the person beside you and go, you're the Lord's. Look at the person you don't like as much on the other side and say, you the Lord's. All right? You are everything in the earth is the Lord's. Everything. Watch this. Your job is the Lord's. Your house is the Lord's. Your marriage is the Lord's. Your children are the Lord's. Hallelujah, right? Um, your boat is the Lord's. Your finances are the Lord. Everything is the Lord's. The Lord owns it all. You and I have just been put in place as managers of it, okay? Scripture is very clear. It talks a lot about stewardship. And y'all might be familiar with the concept of this when it comes to finances because people will often say, be a good steward of your finances. Be a good steward. We are to be good stewards of everything we get. One of the things I like to say here at Victor is we are to be good stewards of the people God brings us. There's a, there's a scripture in, in, in the Bible that talks about these three guys who get talents and their rewards come based off their ability to steward it. So everything, you are a steward of your job. Do you know that? You're a steward of your finances. You're a steward of your marriage. You are a steward of your kids. Everything that you have been given, God has blessed you with to manage well. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is how to manage well. And so I kind of put in front of us uh, eight buckets and listen, this, I couldn't put everything or we'd have like a stage full of buckets. But these are kind of the eight main things that I feel like you and I have to manage, okay? So again, there will be things that are not on the stage. But for the most part, and you'll see as I go through them, these are the eight main things you and I have to manage. Bucket number one is our job. Okay, we have, we have to manage our job. Now, this is kind of the main bucket, if you would, because this bucket takes up the most of our time. Some of you, you work 40 hours a week. Some of you work 50 hours a week. Some of you work 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. Some of you even work 80 hours a week because the job tends to be what we plan the rest of our life around. Am I right? Right? A lot of us live for the weekend. Why? Because our week is our jobs. And so, and then here's what I'm starting to learn about a job is, and I got this because we are we no longer, I thought about, let's get a briefcase. And I thought, well, no longer are the days of briefcases, right? Now, now it's laptops. And so, so this is our job. Have you noticed how jobs even now become our identity? You notice that? When you meet somebody, you ask them two questions. Your first question is this, what is your name, right? Right after they tell your name, your next question is this, what do you do? And it's almost like we do it subliminally, almost like we're going to categorize them based off of what they do. But what it is, is we kind of develop an identity for people. Like, oh, okay, you're a nurse, or okay, you're a school teacher, or okay, you work in the mechanical field, okay, and we start to kind of categorize people. I have learned that I need to try to avoid, as long as I can, telling the people I'm talking to what I do, because it tends to dictate how they talk to me, Right? They kind of shift the way they talk to me. We just recently moved, and I've got this neighbor, and, and he's a really cool guy, and he's got a really uh, um, not biblical language, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, 
And so I'll go outside and talk to him, and he, we're into the same kind of things, cars and different things, and we'll be talking, and he's just talking away and, uh, you know, telling me about what he does, and I'm listening because I'm interested because all I can see is a child of God that is going to be in this church one day. So I'm talking to him and talking to him, and I ended up waiting until about four conversations. So it was a matter of about a week, and finally he couldn't take any more. He said, and, hey, Troy, what do you do? I said, well, um, I said, I moved here to plant a church, and it was beautiful because he was like, you did what? Why you, you know, in the ground? Like, he, he couldn't understand what that, and I had to walk it through him, and you could see how his, his attitude started shifting a little bit. Now, not in a mean way, but he just knew, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said all those things I've been saying. And I was like, hey, I'm human too, right? All right, I watch the same television show you watch. So, like, I've, I've heard it before. I just, you know, don't, don't let it dictate the way you talk to me. So it just goes to show you that we tend to shift the way we act off of people's jobs because it kind of becomes our identity. And this is probably the bucket we spend the most time managing. Because our entire life is wrapped around this bucket. Next bucket is family. I put in here a picture of me and my beautiful wife. She's leading V Kids Elementary or Nursery right now. And we're on the beach because I was like, Brian, it's so hot in here. I want to know what it's like to be on the beach. And so that's what we did. We connected the pictures to it. And so I didn't put the kids in the picture. I forgot to grab the kids, but they exist too. Um, and, and so it's the family bucket. And th- this is kind of probably the bucket that needs the most priority, right? Because... This involves our spouses, this involves our kids, this involves our parents, this involves our siblings, and and we're trying to do two things. One, we're trying to raise our family up in Christ, and at the same time, we're trying to impact our other family for Christ. Neither one of my parents were saved when I got saved, nor my sister. And so I've been trying to impact them for Christ, while at the same time trying to raise my family up in Christ. And so it's a process, but here's what I've learned about the family bucket everybody's bucket looks different, right? For example, some of you have two parents. Some of you have one. Some people's family bucket is a single mom. Some people's family bucket is a single dad. Some family buckets are divorced. Some family buckets are still married. When me and Darla got married, we found out really quick. My parents were divorced. Her parents had been married for years. And so we started to see the, the, the difference in our family bucket. Some of you have kids. Some of you don't. Some of you are married. Some of you aren't. Some of you have brothers and sisters. Some of you don't. Everybody's bucket's kind of different. And I'll tell you how this can impact your marriage, a little free marriage counseling for you. Um, outside of my dad, mother, and sister, I don't talk to any of my family, okay? So I've got cousins, aunts, and uncles all over <laughs> Mississippi, I guess, I don't know. Um, but I don't talk to any of them for no real bad reason, but just disconnected. And so when I married Darla, I wasn't, again, I wasn't used to even, I hadn't seen my aunt or, you know, cousins in 10, 12 years. And so I wasn't really used to anything like that. And she started, she had this one cousin who had like 37 kids, right? And she kept getting all these invitations to their birthday parties. And I'm like, Darla, why do you keep putting this on the refrigerator? We're not going to these things. And she's like, yes, we are. This is my family. I'm like, that's not your family. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't your brother. It's your cousin. She's like, that's my family. And I found out really quick, like, they actually like each other. You know what I mean? Like, like they go to family reunions and stuff. And my family reunion is like a weeknight over at my parents' house. Like, that's a family reunion. And so I'm just learning that family buckets are different. And then, then there's the finance bucket, right? Oh, crud. This is the bucket that causes the most stress. And so I got in here, I got in here, uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover book, right? One of the small groups we're launching is a financial peace small group. You'll be able to go to it, learn how to budget your finances. It's going to be incredible. You want to sign up for that group. But, but it's the finance bucket. And, and this bucket causes stress because we got a budget, we got debt, we have to be able to handle our bills, we have to process on how to save. Everybody's telling us to save, and I don't have anything to save, you know what I mean? Like, you just kind of find yourself in a place where this bucket can cause you the most stress. Most Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and so that becomes very stressful. Next is the time bucket, okay? Now watch this. This is the only bucket where every one of our buckets look the same. Your job bucket looks different from everybody else. Your family bucket can look different from everybody else, and your finance bucket can look different from everybody else. But everybody has the same amount of time, 1,440 minutes in one day. We all have it. And so it's not about our time. It's about how we manage it, right? It's about how we spend it. Every one of us should be spending some time in our day with God. Everybody should be spending time with your family and time for yourself and time in rest and time in work and different things. And so we have to learn how to manage this. The next bucket is the hobby bucket. You got to have this bucket or you lose your mind, right? 
And so I thought, I put in these, check this out. I put in these things right here. Because I'd be at the gym getting gains, you know what I mean? Like, this, don't judge me. Um, Scout asked me one day, he's like, what's even the purpose of this? And I'm like, I think women, they walk, you know, and they walk and kind of works out their, their pinkies or something. I'm not really sure. Well, this, but, but this just represents, I thought about putting a video game controller in here, but I'm like, then I'm going to forget it and I won't be able to play video games tonight. And so, so whatever it is for you, everybody has different hobbies. You know, for me right now, it's been the gym and it's been video games. For you, it might be outside sports. I know Jamie and Eric, they love to hike. And so that's kind of their hobby. So you've got to have a hobby or you'll lose your mind. Amen? All right. Next is the faith bucket. This is your walk with the Lord. And so obviously I have in here a Bible. Matter of fact, it's the one-year Bible. And so this deals in our walk with the Lord. You're here this morning because you have some type of walk with God. Maybe you're mature in the Lord. Maybe you're interested in knowing what faith or what Christianity is all about. Maybe you're new to it. Maybe you've been saved for 40 years. But we all have a faith bucket. Last, or, or I'm sorry, this bucket this is kind of an interesting bucket. Let me explain it, okay? I'm going to call it the relationship bucket. But here's why it's unique, because it has multiple things. For example, if you are not married, your relationships are in this bucket, all right? So you might be dating. You might be engaged, right? As you guys over here. Uh, this also suggests your friends in this bucket. This is also a bucket that I call sexuality, because here's what I'm learning. The more that life goes on, the more we add buckets. Think about it. When was sexuality ever a bucket? Now it is. Now people are literally choosing and trying to dictate what sexual. We've created a bucket out of something that was never a bucket. Used to, when you came out of mom, you knew what you was, right? And now we've created a bucket. And so it's a, it's a bucket. I'm going to call it the relationship bucket. But it deals with those of you that are dating. It deals with those of you that are engaged. It deals with all of your friends. So I got some dominoes in here. I got a checkbook because the girl spends all your money. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And then the last bucket is the sin bucket. And this is the bucket that we don't want anybody to know about. So I got this little black lockbox. These are the secrets that we keep. We don't want anybody to know what happens here. So we got... The sin bucket, right? So, let me go through again. Your job bucket, family bucket, finance bucket, time bucket, hobbies, faith, other relationships, and sin. Anybody say these buckets are pretty evident in my life? Yeah? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. I'll do this by myself. So, here's the deal. We understand that we are supposed to manage these buckets in a godly way, Right? You know what we come to church for? How, how do I manage all these buckets in a godly way? We could open the Bible right now and we could find verse by verse by verse of godly principles on how to manage these buckets. I'll give you just a couple. All right, so you've got, uh, uh, we've got time, Colossians. Well, that's actually work, sorry. So work in Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. There you go. So when it comes to your job, what does the Bible say? Work at it with all of your heart as if you were working unto the Lord. That psalm verse is for time. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to pay attention to the time that we have. And then you've got Malachi for money. Everybody knows about that. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, right? So those are just a couple of verses, just a few, that teach us how to manage the buckets in our life. But let me ask you a question. Which bucket is most important? If you're like me, I feel like I'm doing good if I could just manage one bucket well, right? If I'm just doing all right with my family, I feel like I'm succeeding. So let me ask you this question. Which bucket should come first? Which bucket is most important? Because you're in church and because I'm a pastor, you're going to say, well, surely you're going to tell us it's the faith bucket. Okay, that's fair. I mean, yeah, God, you know, put first God. I get it. The faith bucket. But let me ask you a question. Isn't the family your number one ministry? I mean, you could pray all day in your room, but somebody's got to teach your daughter how to do math. You know what I'm saying? Like, like at some point, so, so faith now, but let me ask you this. You ain't doing anything for your family if you don't have a job, right? You can love them all you want, but you can't feed them. So, so you got to have a job, and, and here's the thing. If you have a job and you make money, that's great, but if you don't know how to budget your money, does it really matter? <laughs> Because you had it, and now it's going to be gone. And then if you don't focus on your time, really it doesn't matter what you try. If, if your time's off, everything. And then let's be honest. If I don't have hobbies, I lose my mind. 
And then we all know the sin bucket. My goodness, that, that controls. So let me ask you again, which bucket is the most important bucket? I don't know. I, I don't know how to manage them correctly because if I focus on one, I can manage it right, but then one's going to slip. I, I try to be real with you all the time here at, at Victory Church, and so let me give you this thought. Um, I, I recently found out that I, I don't do a great job at managing all my buckets. Me and Darla came to a point where we realized that though I was doing well in some, I was failing in this area, Right? And so we had to sit down and go, all right, some buckets are being managed well, but the time bucket's not being managed well. And so we had to, we had to revisit that. We, we had to rethink that through. And so if you're real with me, you would say that there are probably some buckets up here that you're not managing well. Am I right? So let, let me stretch your thinking for a second. Let me give you a thought that you might not necessarily think about forgot that I didn't put it back there. And let me give you a different bucket to think about, all right? You think I would have seen this massive thing sitting on? Let me introduce to you a new bucket. And here's what I want to tell you, is that you can actually guarantee success in every one of these buckets, if you will focus all of your attention on this bucket. And this bucket is the Jesus bucket. If we will focus all of our attention on this bucket, it guarantees success in every one of those buckets. Let me show you what I mean. John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. We're going to really focus on 4 and 5 towards the end. I am the true vine. This is Jesus. My father, God, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, so remain in me. Everybody say, remain in me. As I also remain in you, for no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And once you are apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you will remain in me, I will make you fruitful. What if, listen to me, what if the secret to managing all of these buckets isn't managing these buckets? Instead, it would be to get in this bucket and let Jesus manage you. What if I remain in Jesus and I let Jesus manage me, and the pressure's now off of me, right? And I just let Jesus manage me, and therefore Jesus manages the buckets. I, I do a lot of counseling and meeting with people and different things, and, and they're always talking about their problems and stuff, right? And so, let me see if I can do this. Woo! Y'all think I learn about tight pants on Sunday morning? Ah, here we go. Yeah, your boy's in a bucket. And so they always talk to me about their problems, right? I mean, that's, that's the purpose of a pastor. And so we're dealing with marriage and we're dealing with finances. And, and I always do this at the beginning. And tell me if you can relate to this. The very first thing I ask them is this. How's your quiet time? You ever had somebody do that to you? You want to smack them in the face, right? And it's funny because... Sorry. But here's the deal. We, we, we all kind of act that way. But the reason why I ask that is because if you're disconnected from Jesus, it doesn't matter how hard you try to manage those things. It's not going to do you any good. And so many of us are being taught that we should manage these well. Can I, here's how I can prove it to you. 
Go into Barnes and Noble or whatever bookstore you go to, and you will see how many books give you seven steps to a great marriage. Right? Five steps on how to budget your bride. First of all, it better be 45 steps how to budget your bride. And the whole book world has learned that you and I are are desperately trying to manage our buckets. And here's what kills me. Even church has become like this. Show up to church, we'll sing a few songs, and then we'll teach you how to manage an aspect of your life through godly principles. Now listen, godly principles are great. Obviously, I follow them. But listen, godly principles without Jesus, you're nothing but a Pharisee. Let me ask you a question. You ever seen a vine, I'm sorry, a branch disconnected from a tree? We did the serve day here a couple uh, weeks ago, I guess, and we were cutting off, Aaron was cutting off branches, Jamie's cutting off branches, and I'm watching them fall. Have you ever went and got one of those branches days later? What is it? It's dead, right? It's withered up. But yet if you see a branch that's still connected, it's alive. And so when Jesus is saying this, he's surrounded by vines and branches, and he's going, listen, people, remain in me. Abide in me, and you will have life. Abide. See, see that branch? See that branch still connected? See the beautiful leaves? Now you see that branch over there that's not connected and it's dead? That branch is disconnected. And when you dis... Let's see if I can do this. When you disconnect from Jesus, the best these buckets can ever look is dead branches. Quit trying to manage your marriage without without being in Jesus. You are wasting your time. Quit trying to manage your finances without being in Jesus. You're wasting your time. Quit trying to manage sin without being in Jesus. We will manage sin, church. I'm doing all right. No, forget that. Get in Jesus. When we try to manage these, listen, I want to give you an illustration. When we try to manage these buckets, it's like pouring water on a dead branch expecting for it to grow. The next time you try to manage something without being in Jesus, imagine pouring water on a dead branch. What's the purpose? And here's what we think, right? Here's what we think. Well, to answer this, we just need to put faith in these situations. And my, my job, right? I'm having a problem with my job. So I just need to put faith in my job. I need to pray over my job. I just need to have faith for my job. And then my, oh, oh, you know what? I tell you what, I, my, my, my hobbies, well, I'll do like this. My finances are messed up. And so I just, need to, I just need to have faith for my finances. I just need to pray for my finances. Oh, 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 you know what? Sin's acting up again. I just need to have faith in my, in my sins. Listen to me, church. This was the revelation that I loved the most that I got from God in this sermon. Faith is a bucket did you catch it? Faith is just a bucket I have to manage. Here's how I know this. Sometimes my faith is high and sometimes it's low. Am I the only one? Okay. Three of you are with me. We'll go have coffee after this. Talk about. When we were playing this church, there's moments where I just knew God was in it and I could see when someone writes you a check for $65,000, you're like, faith is high, you know? And then when you can't find a location to sit in, the faith gets low again. And I started to learn, man, faith is nothing but a bucket I try to manage. And so faith is not the answer. Don't try to insert faith into your job. Don't try to insert faith into, into the sin. Don't try to insert faith into Instead, do yourself a favor and just get in Jesus. And then in the process... All of the buckets end up in Jesus. And here's the best part. Because if we're not careful, we think it looks like this. All right. They're all in Jesus. Let's go. But it's not this. It's. in Jesus. I don't have to carry it. It's in Jesus. And I really wanted to just, I'm like, all right, this should be enough. 
Because you can look all throughout Scripture and find, be in Christ, be in Christ. You are made alive in Christ. It's always in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We tend to learn that we need to let God in us. We need to get in Jesus, right? And I was like, man, that, can, we just, can we just, Lord, can we just like give him that statement and just let him have that statement? But, but I couldn't just stop with that. I'm like, come on, I got I to gotta, I gotta make it a little bit more applicable. I mean, we're real people here. We got to, you know, that sounds great. Let's put it on a bumper sticker, crochet it on a pillow, that we can be in Jesus. But, but what does that mean? And so I started breaking down that verse. I just want to give you real quick three thoughts. Three thoughts that happen in your life once you're in Jesus. Number one is dependence. Dependence. He said, it must remain in me. See that second word? Must. You and I have to learn to have dependence in Christ. I've told you guys a story before about my daughter coming down, my youngest three-year-old Casey coming down and waking me and mom up and getting us. Here's her first thing. She wants food and she wants TV. She wakes up out of the bed and her first step is to come into me and her mom's bedroom. You know why? She depends on us. So the very first thing she does is she gets into the presence of her father because she depends on me. She can't turn the TV on by herself. She can't get food by herself. She depends on me. Do you know the best way to secure your marriage and to manage your finances is to put yourself in a place where you are completely dependent on Jesus. Every morning I wake up and here's the first thing I do. Not the first thing, I'm going to make you carried away. But by the time I get into, and I'll talk a little bit about it towards the end, by the time I get into my place of prayer, I start asking God to control my day. God, I, I'm dependent on you. I've got a meeting. I, I, got a, I got a meeting tonight. I got to write a sermon. I've got a date night with my wife. I've got some fun time with the girls. I, I need you. I'm depending on you. I need you to direct my day. God, give me favor. God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel today. I'm, I'm, I'm depending on you. So many of us are Christians, but we don't depend on Jesus. What would it be like if you completely depended on him? If you remained and abided in him? I'm going to challenge you right now. Just, just a little challenge, and we're going to do a lot more of this towards the fall when we get into our here, here From Here to There series. I'm going to challenge you for the next 24 hours to think, how can you insert a time with God first thing in the morning? Some of you, that's not a difficult thing. Some of you, you work crazy hours, weird hours, and so you kind of settle for this, for that. I've heard people say, well, my time with God's in the car. I've been in Nashville traffic. That ain't possible. I've heard people say, well, my time with God's in the shower. I get it. I understand what you're trying to say. But listen, you spend an hour at night watching Netflix. Make that 45 minutes and wake up a little bit early and have 15 minutes with God. You know what I mean? Like, like depend on him. Depend on him. And don't just depend on him when you need something, but depend on him every day. And here's why I can say that with confidence, because every day you're going to need something. I believe this statement that everybody you ever meet is struggling with something you don't know about. So if that's true, we all need Jesus. So we have to get to a place where we're depending on him. Lord, I need you. I have to remain in you, because if I don't, I'm like the branch that's over here dying. And every time I go to church, someone's pouring water on it. And every time I try to listen to a worship song, someone's pouring water on it. And guess what? It's a dead branch. Dependence. Number two, I love this. This is my favorite one. Reassurance. I love how, I don't know if you saw that, we're in the middle of those verses. He said, he said I am the vine. I am. He, he's like telling you, like, if you remind me, and he just stops remember, I am the vine halfway through telling you, I'm reassuring you that I am God. We all need those moments where we are reassured that God is God and that he will finish what he started. Listen, if you lost your job and you are in Christ, don't worry because God is God and he's reassuring you that something's happened. If you applied for something, you didn't get it and you're in Christ, trust God. I was talking to a friend of mine who, who, who applied for this job and it was a real letdown at that time. It didn't really work out. And then now it's, it's a few months have gone by and this job is kind of turning back around. The guy they hired didn't work out. He's gone. Now they're looking at him again. And I'm like, hey, once again, it's God. 
If it happens this time, hallelujah. If it doesn't, hallelujah, right? We just talked about closed and open doors. When you have reassurance that God is God, you don't panic over small things. Because God has the best in store for me. So if I wake up and I get in Christ, I don't have to worry about whether or not things are going to work out for me. There's a reassurance and a dependence. My daughter has never once worried if she was going to eat. Right? How many of you got small kids? Anybody here got a kid three and under? When's the last time that child came to you and said, Mom, Dad, we need to talk for a second. I've been looking at the finances, and I don't really know as I budget over here. I know, you know, we might, maybe we should go to Sam's and get bulk peanut butter because, you know, you and Dad, Dad lost his job. How are we going to be able to make PB&Js? Nikki, that happened last time with Cortland. Cortland, don't say that to you. Oh, okay. I wonder why. Because she's in complete dependence of you. Man, if we could catch it, it's so simple, church, but it's so, and we don't get it. We don't get it. And so the ability to wake up in the morning and go get in Jesus, get in Jesus and be like, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today. I made a little bit of a plan. I got a little stuff worked out. I got to go to work nine to five. I got to do this, I got to do that. I got to go to you know, Logan's and see my dad. I got these little things. But ultimately, would you just bless my day? Would you walk out? Would you control and let me depend on you and trust in you? And through that process, I'll guarantee you this. You are reassured that God is God. And there's nothing healthier than being reassured that God is God. Because all of a sudden, you get a little pep in your step. You start thinking things and believing things that are a little crazy. And people will notice something different about you. Oh, I thought you were just depressed yesterday. Why all of a sudden are you happy? Did you get a job? No, I didn't get a job. I just got reassured. What would you get reassured? That God's God. That he's still on the throne. That he's not worried about a thing. That I'm saved. That I'm spending eternity in heaven. And I got a purpose and plan on this life. And that God's using me and doing things. And the reason I didn't get that job is because he put me in this position to be able to lead this person to the Lord. See, I don't even want to get me started on being able to see it from the perspective of God. We work puzzle piece by puzzle piece. God's looking at the whole box going, no, I need you to not have that. I need you to not get that because I'm working on something. i got to develop you a little bit longer. Here's a statement I believe and I want to give it to you this morning. If your time's not now, it's because God's still developing you for the blessing that's coming. Sometimes the time we want in the time we need. God's still got to prep you a little bit. you got to be in the oven a little bit longer. You know what I mean? There's a reason why babies have to go nine months. There has to be a preparation. So there's dependence, there's reassurance, and then look at this. There's success. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yet he says, if you remain in me, you will be fruitful. Do you want to be fruitful? I do. I know the men in the room do for sure. And here, number one, I know that because I'm a man. That's only, I can't really tell you ladies how y'all think. But I also know that we tend to work more off of respect and identity and our jobs. And so we want to be successful. I think, ladies, I'll speak on this for a moment. I think as a, as a mother and as a spouse and as a woman of God, number one, you have more of a purpose than just mom and wife, and you know that. And so I think you want to be successful too. And I think we all want to be successful in Christ. And yet here's Christ saying, if you remain, remain in me, you will be fruitful. I needed to hear that, you know? Because I don't always feel successful. And I've learned the more I try to manage these buckets. Have you ever noticed this? If you try to manage your buckets, at the end of the night, you'll lay your head down and you will feel like you didn't do something. Like, yeah, my finances are great, but man, I could have spent more time with my kids. I'm learning this about myself that when I try to manage buckets, I go to bed at night wishing I could have done more. As opposed to being in Christ and allowing him to operate through me and guaranteeing me success. And so put that blank up. I, I put this on social media. This was my, my statement I told you that God told me about, right? He gave me this statement. I wrote it down in my notes and I've read it now for about a month and a half. Every morning I wake up and I read it. And this, this is, this is, I did it like this because this is the question everybody's asking. You succeed today by, by what? <laughs> let, let me know. Let, let me know how I succeed today. By what? So, so here's the blanks filled in. All right. Watch this. You already, when you wake up in the morning, here's the, this is my favorite part. You wake up at 7, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, whatever time you wake up at. You already succeed. 
You woke up victorious. That's why we call the church Victory Church, because when you walk in Christ, you're automatically victorious. So I'm already succeeding today by being in Christ. It's done. Quit trying. Quit worrying. Wake up and get in Jesus' presence. Figure something out. Make yourself a cup of coffee. Do something. Get in the presence of God and let him put those buckets into place. Let him manage those buckets and you walk in success and victory that God gave you simply because you are alive in Jesus. We've made this life too difficult. Jesus said, follow me. Well, what about my buckets? Don't worry. Jesus said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Because Jesus don't care about buckets. Jesus said, follow me and I will worry about your buckets. So I want to share this and then we'll close because I thought, once again, maybe you're in here and you get it. Maybe you're already like, man, let's go. I'm ready to go. I'm attacking Monday. No more managing buckets. Some of you might be there going like, I don't really know what he's talking about. So I'm going to try to give you one of the examples from my life where it happened so clear. Rewind. About two years ago, no, maybe a little bit longer, maybe about three years ago. I've told a little bit of this story, so those of you that are part of Victory, bear with me for a second. The, the thought started coming that we were going to plant a church. I got really scared because there's a lot. I was going to quit my job, sell a house, move to a place I've never been. 20 people were going to do that with me because they're crazy. Hey, this, is, this is a big deal. I went to my wife. I said, babe, I got a problem. I need a better prayer life. I said, I can't do this off this wishy-washy prayer life I have right now. I can't step out in this kind of faith when I pray maybe one day a week. You know what I mean? I was just, I was just telling her this. So I started this thing. I was like, all right, I woke up early in the morning, went in the living room, got in the living room. All my family's asleep, turned the worship music on, and about five minutes in, I was snoring. You know, it's all quiet. I don't drink coffee. I didn't know what was going on. Meanwhile, at the same time, I'm trying to get in the gym and get into shape and those kind of things, all right? So I'm in the gym in the evenings. I'd go to work and go to the gym in the evenings. Just wasn't a morning person. I'm in the gym working out. My brother-in-law walks in. I said, hey, man, I didn't know you worked out here. He said, yeah. I said, man, I'd love for you to train me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had just made a fool of myself on some machine. And, like, I'd love for you to teach me. And he goes, great, meet me at 5. And I'm like, great, I'll be here. And he goes, a.m. And I was like, that don't exist. It's 1-5 on the clock. I don't know what he's talking about. And he said, well, look, man, I, my job, I have to get here at 5. I have to be gone by 6.15. And I can't explain it to you because I, I can't say I've heard the audible voice of God, but I felt this impression that said, this is what you were wanting. And so I said, you know what? I'll be here. So the next day, whatever the first time was, I woke up at about 4.30, got up, made me a pre-workout, drank my pre-workout, got in my car, drove to the rec center, worked out till 6.15. At 6.15, they had a track. I walked up to the track, and for an hour, 6.15 to 7.15, I walked that track, and I prayed. And I'd love to tell you that it was real spiritual at first, but it wasn't. It was literally me going like, God, oh, well, uh, you help me, God? Hey, that's what it was at first. Now, it's been three years from now, and I've never, I've never lost that tradition. I do it to this day. But it was something about I had my, my headphones in. I had the worship music going. There was nobody in there that early. I was alone. I was walking. I like to think on my feet. And so about 20 minutes into it, I started getting serious with the Lord. Started really praying about some stuff. And then on a Wednesday, it just so happened that Tuesday, so-and-so told me that their mom wasn't feeling well. And so now I remembered her, so I prayed for her that morning. And then when we got to the place where we planted the church, all crazy stuff went loose. Friends losing jobs and losing houses. And we, we had, we, our water heater went out. We had no money. We had all this kind of stuff. And I showed you a couple weeks ago my prayer journal from that time. I had like 47 prayer requests every day. Lord, we just, I'm going to need you to sell Andrew and Amber's house. And Lord, I'm going to need you to make sure Tim don't go crazy in this process. And Lord, I'm going to need you to fix our water heater. And Lord, I need you to help Joe and Tatiana be able to get their stuff. In and I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed over these things. And I just started to learn, like, I'm, I'm in Christ. That's what I'm doing. I, I'm in Christ. Now watch this. You're like, all right, still doesn't connect the buckets. Now watch this. Remember family bucket? Family bucket over here? I had no idea that at that moment in my life while I was stressing over getting the house renovated and getting moved up here, I had lost some of my connection with my wife and kids. Gotten too busy, connection was a little off. But she knew what I was doing, so she didn't say anything to me. Watch 
Please catch this. It's in the summertime. Nobody in my house wakes up till 1 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Just kidding. But I 7.15, I'm done praying. What am I going to do? I went to go walk through Kroger. No, that doesn't sound glorious. It was cool. 7.15 in the morning, I'm just walking through Kroger. You ever been in a grocery store hungry? It's so much fun. You're like you're on a supermarket suite, but I was on the slow version. I was just walking, looking at stuff. I was in there for probably 30 minutes. Just look, oh, that's cool. I'm going to try them cookies one day. And I looked up, and I'm in the flower department. I said, I should give my wife flowers. So I reached over and got the flowers and put them in the bucket or the basket. Kept on going. About another 15 minutes later, now I'm in the toy aisle. Do you know Kroger had a toy aisle? They do. And I was in there, I was like, oh, you know what? I should get the girls a toy. So I get a couple of little cheap toys. If I was telling you the truth, I got the flowers on the discount aisle, so I didn't spend a lot of money in case you're on a budget. And as I'm walking through Kroger a little bit longer, I just felt another impression. Here was the impression. Go home and create a scavenger hunt and hide the toys and hide the flowers and do a scavenger hunt and have it ready for them when they wake up. So I went home, I cooked breakfast, and when they woke up, they had breakfast and they had this scavenger hunt. It was the best moment to this day in my family. I don't do that kind of stuff, and I'm learning, I'm trying to get better. My wife was blown away. My kids to this day still ask for opportunities like that. Hey, Daddy, can we do another scavenger hunt? And I still do them. But listen to me. I would have never had that thought, church. That's not me. But I sure could have went home and sat at the little, little table and had my biscuit and eggs and been like, how do I make my marriage better? Hmm. How could I be a better father? And I would try to manage these things. But because I was up and in Christ, he managed them for me. And he did a better job than I could ever do. The only thing we need to learn to do is to get in Christ. And if we'll make him a priority and we'll depend, we'll find reassurance, and we'll find success, and God will manage these buckets for us, and people will want to know your secrets to a great family, your secrets to a great marriage, your secrets to great finances, your secrets to, to great time management, and you'll be able to look them in the face and say, how's your quiet time? This is the moment that we have to learn. There is no five-step process. There is no best 10 ways. There is one way. And he said it in John 15, remain in me. If you will remain in me and I in you, you will be fruitful. Your marriage will be fruitful. Your family will be fruitful. Your job will be fruitful. Your finances will be fruitful. Your time will be fruitful. Only God can make sun stand still. Only God could give you more time in a day than you would ever imagine. Only God could make your hobbies better. Only God could make you all of a sudden enjoy the gym. You know what I mean? Like only God has that ability. But you have to remain in him. So do me a favor. Stand with me just for a moment. I'm going to do something just a little different this morning. I want to, I want to, normally I would pray and Brian would come in and transition into an opportunity for you to make a commitment to Christ. And I want to do that this morning because of the, direction of this message. I want to give you two opportunities. First is for those of you who you've never committed your life to Jesus. And here I am saying, remain in me, but you got to get in him first. You can't remain somewhere you've never been. And so you need to be able to commit your life to Jesus. And that's why you're here this morning. Matter of fact, we cut the air off so you can know what hell felt like. Just kidding. But you're here to remain in Jesus. You want to commit your life to Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity in a minute to do that. And then the next message is for those of you, you've committed your life to Jesus, but hear me, it's time for you to remain. It's time for you to change some things and shift some things. We as a church are gearing up for what's going to be the biggest half of a year we've ever seen. Because we've never seen this half of the year. (laughs) But God wants us to get stuff in order and get it right. And to be able to put him in the right place and remain in So do me a favor, close your eyes. If you're here this morning, you say, I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to pray over you. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to be able to have a special moment this morning. We want to celebrate with you. This is the moment for some of us, those of us that have done it, that changed our lives. 
And hear me, you can't remain in him if you've never committed your life to him. So I'm just going to ask you, if you just raise your hand, let me see it. I just want to be able to see it and acknowledge it. Just raise your hand, wave at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise him. Thank you. One more time over here. I, I, looking at all the hands is incredible. All right. Everybody is going to pray after me. This prayer is going to be twofold. Number one, it's going to be the prayer for those who are committing their life to Christ for the first time. Number two, it's going to be for every one of us that we would be better at remaining in him. So you're going to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are and what you've done in my life. I commit my heart to you. I commit my life to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to live a life chasing you. Help us all to continue to remain in you. Help me, God, with my schedule, with the buckets that are in my life. And help me to not try to manage those buckets, but to just allow you to manage me. Now, I'm just going to give you a second in your own words and in your mind. You don't have to say anything out loud. I just want to give you a second to talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to be, I want to be in you. I want my life to be reflected of one who's in you. I want to remain. Show me right now. Lord, I, the way you gave me information that day in that gym, the way you confirmed that to me, you can confirm it in people's hearts right now, God. Everybody who's here, you're here on purpose. You're here for a reason. God brought you here today to hear this message today because he knows how hard it is for you to, you're trying to manage all these buckets. And he's come here this morning to say to you, find rest in me. If you are weary, find rest in Jesus. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he wants to help you manage your life. But you've got to give it to him. You've got to let him. And more than ever before, I challenge you this morning to be thinking, how do I change my lifestyle so that I can be in Jesus Christ? Help us, I pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.